So I've started watching John Wick 4. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah. But, but I've, only, I've only started watching it because I had to stop. I got interrupted because we had to watch something else. Oh, right. What was it? Uh, Great British Bake Off. <laughs> so I had a bit of cognitive dissonance, if I'm honest, you know, between the two, because one is sort of a, a, a brutal fight to the death, you know, and the other is John Wick 4. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Welcome everybody to episode 259 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Uh, my name is Nick Page and there, quite grumpy, it has to be said, in a strange turnaround is Joe Davis. I'm turning into you. That is what's going on here. I tell you now, my friend, because I have got severe backache. Possibly brought on by the fact I've been, I don't know why I've got backache actually, but it's, you know, it's just flared up. And uh, I think it's all my osteopath's fault for damaging my ankle so badly that I've now hobbled on that and now I've put mm, my back mm. out. I mean, basically, he's giving himself work for years to come, isn't it? <laughs> it's, like, it's like my builders. They come in, pull something out, something else falls over. Exactly. It's like the plumbers. Anyway, well, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, because I was told once, because I've had a foot problem yeah. for years, and I was told once that don't... You know, it's a last resort to do anything to feet or ankles because it it affects everything that you, mm. you know, every other part of your body because you walk strangely and, well, you walk strangely anyway. I know. Mm. Well, do you remember that time in church history where the only healing miracle that God could do was lengthening legs? Do you remember everyone <laughs> was going around having their legs? <laughs> I think even people who had both legs the same were having their legs extended. But do you remember that joke we did? We used to do <laughs> from the stage. It's just there's somebody here with both legs shorter than each other. Yeah, that's right. If that's you, come forward. Yeah. So, uh, but yes. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. So you got a bad back. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there is to say about it. Yeah. So other than that, the joyful season continues in my life, and I'm just trying to, you know, practice all those things we were talking about last week, really not resist it too much, try and embrace the pain. Is that a good thing? I'm trying to do it. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, what you resist... Accept, maybe, maybe accept it because you, you know you've got to go through yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's what, what you resist persists kind of mentality. So it's just trying to go, do you know what? That is painful and it's here and don't spend your life moaning about it because it's here and it's a part of what's going on. But there's good stuff too. So maybe, you know, think about that when you're not in pain, which I do. There you go. Well, that's a lovely thought to start the podcast. <laughs> so um, church notices. Oh, yeah. Well, we've still got a couple of places for the Enneagram 6 day, I think. Uh, possibly only one because I'm waiting for someone to confirm or not. But yeah, so at the moment, there's two spaces left. If anyone wants to come on Saturday, the 11th of November, you've got to get yourself down here to Worthing. Uh, if you're an Enneagram 6 or even if you're related to an Enneagram 6, you might be interested as well. So there you go. I won't throw it any more open than that. Um, but there's two spaces left and these days are great. Uh, it's with uh, Alison Mail, who, uh, you know, knows her stuff. So it's it's hmm. really good. Uh, it'll be a great day. Uh, just email me if you want to come along. Yeah. How are you, dear boy? I'm all right. Uh, 
Uh, what have I been doing? I watched the. Did you watch the rugby? The I weekend? did. Yes. <gasps> oh, oh. <man>. <laughs> Two <laughs> of the greatest games I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. well, just... and then and then England. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Neither of them are featuring England, obviously. <laughs> yeah. um, I can't actually wait because I think actually for those of you who don't know, um, well, colonials who take no interest, um, we. <laughs> We're in this. England are in the semi-finals against a South African team that is frightening, really. Yeah. And uh, I actually can't watch it uh, next week because we've got some long-standing in great. But I'm not sure, even even if I was at home, whether I would because it would make John Wick Four look like you know Snow White. It's it's really it's a yes, frightening. I thing. fear that is the case. Uh, yeah. So that hey, do you now? Here's an interesting thing. Do you remember the Cardoma cafes? Are you old enough to remember Cardomas? I have no idea what you're talking about. So no, oh, I'm well, way you too see, young. They I'm were just sort young. of dying out, I think, in the 60s when I was growing up. And there were a, lot of, a chain of cafes, um, the Cardoma. They're very like, you know, you see them in a lot of old films, you know, 40s, 50s I... films and all that. Kind of, they were, anyway, I discovered the other day there's still one left. In Swansea, and it's kept the original decor and everything like that. I just thought it was quite interesting. Yeah, well, you know, you're not right about everything. <laughs> <laughs> hey, every... I, I don't care. I'm going to put a link on the on our website <laughs> no and t- in the show notes to the Cardoma Cafe in Swansea. I don't care. Well, I liked it. You do that. Hey, everyone, there's an old cafe with old decor if you want to go to it in Swansea. That sounds terrific. What a great day out. <laughs> well, if you are in Swansea and you know it, tell us what it's like. I bet you love it. Anyway, okay. oh, and here's the good news and glad tidings. Uh, yes. We've got a wood burner being installed tomorrow. Oh, one that our actually works. Wood burner. Oh, yes. yeah. oh, good times. You know, let's not run it, get ahead of ourselves on the track record on this house so far. But, you know, it's being installed anyway. So No, it's yeah. good. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Do you know what? But someone wrote in once and said, you know, the wood burners are not very good for the environment because the particles are in But here's what I've got to say to that. If you use only seasoned wood and if you get it to heat, uh, it actually burns incredibly efficiently and is not nearly as bad for the environment, which is what we do. In fact, at the end of the season, after multiple fires through the winter, there still wasn't enough ash at the bottom to be worth taking it out and putting it on the compost because mm. it's just there's nothing there. It's good. Yeah. Just like to say that. Well, everything's bad for everything, really, isn't it? So, you know, there's no way. I mean, I think what's really bad for the environment would be me swearing a lot because I'm so cold. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> That's also bad for the environment. That would add to global warming hugely. Um, no, this one is a, it's an all singing, all dancing, hugely expensive new eco job. So Great. I'm pretty well, excited about that. Yeah. God bless. And um, apart from the ankle and the back, how are you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, don't, I just don't think there's much more to say. I'm all right. Uh, I, I went to cinema. I saw The Miracle Club. That is a very nice, gentle film with Maggie Smith and other great stars in. And it was just, yeah, that was good. Okay. Uh, I went to the theatre last night to see an, a, an ex-neighbour in a production of Stepping Out. And that was marvellous and she was brilliant. Oh, great. Good. Yeah. 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 Well, that's so, good. Yeah, so that's good. Good, like I say, lots of good stuff going on amidst all the things. Yeah. Yes. Well, we'll come on to all the things later on. I think a little bit. Um, been thinking about that. Anyway, well, let's get on then and um, have some feedback. I guess. Okay. Right. Well, I'm 
I think I'll keep this one anonymous. Um, but this this first one was was great. Uh, they say this. Dear Joe and Nick, thanks so much for your last podcast. Your discussion in response to Vicky's email about coping with difficult times was particularly thoughtful, wise and helpful in things I've been struggling with. In midlife, I found faith and an amazing church a few years ago. Understanding the reality of God's love and hearing preaching that emphasises change and new life, that change is always possible, that we are not fixed in how we are, that we are changed by becoming a Christian through baptism, through new life in Christ, has been a joy. Being part of a church that lives out God's love has enabled me to overcome some low self-esteem and long-standing social anxiety. It is also catnip to an Enneagram uh, type one who is always striving to be a better person, better in inverted commas. Uh, and then they say, lately, I have keep wondering why I've been feeling really sad a lot of the time, not good enough, and that somehow I must not be trying hard enough. Listening to the podcast, I realise that it is the gradual disappointment of learning that however much I change, there are still things about me that I am stuck with and maybe will always be stuck with. For example, being an introvert, spending a lot of time thinking about things in depth, shyness that makes it hard to form deep connections with people. However, I might yearn to be a light-hearted, laid-back, fun-loving type 7. It is never going to happen. This seems obvious, but it's painful. Thinking about where God is in this, then just perhaps there are things in me that are not going to be changed because that is how I am. And he loves me and wants me to use those things, not wish me to be rid of them. Like Joe said, I have found it helpful just holding on to the presence of God in difficult situations or feelings, knowing that presence is there in pain and just being in the suffering, not always wishing it away. Thanks so much for everything you're doing. Bless you both. Hmm. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, Yeah, that's a thoughtful one, isn't it? Uh, Yes, I mean, I think that's the thing about the Enneagram, isn't it? What was Ali? Ali was saying something about you know that that most lots of people get upset or something when they find out what thing they are because they don't sort of want to be that thing or they feel stuck yeah i was i was remember uh the prophetic words of i think a great and beautiful film um Mm. total recall oh yes with saint arnold starring (laughs) that that balletic (laughs) winsome chap uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and um, and, and in Total Recall, it's a it's not a very good film. But there's a line he goes he goes somewhere where there's this holiday thing where you can be someone else. Yeah. You can you can pretend that they take your memories and they put something else in you. And um, and because the the travel guy says, you know, what's the one thing you always take on holiday? The one thing that you always take with you, no matter where you go. He says it's yourself. It's you. Yeah. And you take everything that you're concerned about. And. I think that's it, isn't it? Wherever we go, we take ourselves hmm. uh, with us, and the the journey of life is to is to become at, at least accepting of who you are, the good and the bad. Yes, I think so, and 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 I think there are some ways in which transformation comes. I I feel more and more like it's quite limited. Like I do think you can generally become a more patient, loving person. I, d- I definitely think that. Maybe you won't become Mother Teresa or the most loving person in the world, but you can definitely work on some of those things. But then the other part of the transformation does seem to come from acceptance of what is and what is your sort of personally type and the nature of that. And that in itself does bring a form of transformation, stops the striving. You know, there's so many great things, for example, about being 
and Enneagram One. You want Enneagrams ones around you because things tend to get done really well mm. when you know because they just have those drivers that make you do things and take a pride in things and present things well and do things well and thoroughly and do things in the correct manner. And you can spin that out as being, you know, well, a bit boring or a bit dull, or you could absolutely rejoice in it and saying, well, what a wonderful place the world is because there are people like that making good stuff happen. Mm. Um, and, and you know, that's well, like we said before, the great thing about the Enneagram is it holds up a mirror and says, look, this is what is absolutely fantastic about being you. And here's some of the challenges you're going to find along the way. There's a balance, isn't there, to be struck between knowing that there's parts of you that have got to get better. You know, mm. there's always bits of us that are sinful, that are wrong, that are yeah. problematical. And also understanding that you are a a, a creation of God. You mm. know, you are, you were yeah. not here by accident. Yeah. You yeah. are, you were no, loved exactly right. into being. So yeah, that's, um, yeah. that's what I would say to you and Non, you know, that you, mm. you, you don't be disappointed with who you are. No. Because you were loved into being. You were our friend Trevor says we were we are made in love, by love, for love. And and that's that's what our life is. Um you know, there's loads of stuff that I kind of have to work on. We all of us work in progress. Mm. But we are good work. We are one of my favourite translations of Ephesians. Um I think it's Ephesians three ten or two ten, I can't remember. It's it's you are God's work of art created for good works in christ jesus you know you are god's work of art you're a work of art yeah that's nice yeah yeah, yeah. i mean some of us are a bit abstract and <laughs> others yeah. others of us are a bit pollocks <laughs> but you know you are we're all god's yeah. work of art we're a work yeah. of art and we are being yeah. perfected all the time i think it's um you know it, it, good to get to that point if you can but thank you for your honesty whoever whoever you are yes we we may say more along similar lines later on, but let's just come to Rob. Now, we've sat on this um, email from Rob for uh, probably a couple of months, I think. And he says, hello, wise and wonderful. I don't know which is which there. Uh, I, I'm certainly not wise, so that's not a bad alternative. <laughs> okay. He actually says, congratulations on making it to 250 episodes. So we're on 259 now, right? Uh he says, in that 250th episode, Nick mentioned that part of the Lord's Prayer could be deemed a mistranslation. And that brought to mind something I've been grappling with for a few months now. In olden days, we were taught to memorise verses from the Bible. Fortunately, the church I had been dragged along to as a mere youth had recently innovated to using the newfangled but infinitely more understandable New International Version rather than the unwieldy, at least to say that is 12-year-old, to a 12-year-old lad, King James Version. And so one of these verses I memorised as a child was Luke 1 verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. Some umpteen years later, the verse of the day in my app of choice for daily readings was Luke one thirty-seven, and I smiled to myself in anticipation of the inspiring words to follow. Imagine my surprise when I then read, for no word from God will ever fail. Hang on a minute. That's not what it says, but I checked in an actual physical NIV and it did indeed say that. Kind of inspiring, 
but to my mind not as inspirational as God overcoming the truly impossible. And then, because I searched the internet to find out what the bongos had happened, I discovered the controversy around the Today's NIV edition, with its gender-neutral language and the subsequent NIV 2011 edition, which put some gender back in, but dropped some verses into footnotes to the horror of various online people. And I fell to thinking, how does one know which version of the Bible I should actually be reading if I want to be most in tune with what God actually meant through what it was written. So, obviously, I'm aware that our English Bibles are already translations of Hebrew and Greek and that there is some Aramaic in there somewhere too. But as someone who really wants to understand the heart of God and the messages that so many humans over a few thousand years have transcribed, translated, guarded, died for and put nice pictures and maps around, how on earth do I settle on one version? Yes, three question marks there. (laughs) He says, I'm not expecting Nick and I'm sure this will come as something of a relief to tell us all what the best Bible we can buy is unless he's done a recent translation, which is published in time (laughs) for Christmas. And then I think we can all guess what the recommendation will be. But is there some insight he can pass on around whether there is a translation, which is, from his academic expertise and historical knowledge, the most appropriate? And that's cheers from Rob. So there we go. And you're the right person to answer this question because, you know, you've done a bit of work on the Bible, haven't you? I've written a couple of books about it, yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, I think it was one of the most interesting discoveries in my sort of Bible journey was discovering that actually... Uh, Bible translation is is quite an art, really, mm. and uh, and there are some different things about it. I mean, just a little story. One when I was first approached many many years ago to write a book about the Bible, uh, my editor, our, our mutual friend James Catford, said, "We want you to write a how about writing a Bible commentary?" And I was going, "Well, I'm not an academic, and I'm not a cleric, and I'm not a, a vicar or anything." I'm just a bloke and he said yeah well that's the point blokes never do that you know ordinary mm, people don't yeah. do it so why do you have a go so I, I went away and looked and what, one of the things I found I discovered was there's a bit in Exodus Exodus 2 I think it is uh, it's, a, it's a section called the bridegroom of blood it's known as where nice um it was like the third John Wick film, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> um, where the, the text seems to imply that God is going to kill Moses. But it could be he's going to kill his son. And and when I looked at it and I, I, I read commentary, it said nobody knows what this means. The Hebrew is so old, <laughs> so ancient, so, yeah. so that nobody really knows. And I thought, well, if nobody knows that bit, then there must be other bits yes. that people don't know. And then I felt sort of slightly more confident about having to go because I thought, well, there is, you know, everyone's expertise will only take you so far, quite yeah. clearly. So, yeah. So why is that translated differently? Um simply i think the first thing to recognize about bible translations is all translations are a choice mm. you know there's an italian proverb i think it's italian uh, who cares really anyway there's a proverb which says all translation is betrayal oh in other words the minute the minute i translate something from another language i have to make choices and i may get it wrong i mm. may I, I'll, it'll be different in some way to what the original meant so all, all translations have a choice. And, 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 of course, the second thing is that in any language, words can have different meanings. Yeah. So if we take this example that Rob's done, um, the Greek there, because I, I looked it up just now, is uh, the word is, um, I think it's rhema, 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 which can mean word or thing. And mm. so sort of literally the, the Greek 
sort of goes uh, for not impossible uh, to God mm. is any uh, is all either word or thing. You know, if you were to literally translate yeah. it, 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 it so, yeah. so so it's, it's they've made a choice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they've made a choice. They've chosen to translate it as word rather than thing, and they would make that choice based on their understanding of Luke's grammar, what he normally means by these kinds of things. And so, you know, there's there's other bits. Sometimes the text is sort of difficult or obscure. Um, so it's tied it up. That's another thing that translators do. Like the text of Revelation, the Greek, and my Greek mm. isn't good enough to notice this, but apparently it's very bad Greek. Mm. It's 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 the Greek of someone who's speaking it as a second language, so it's all grammatically incorrect. So, But you would never know that from a translation. No, of course not. Because they tied it all up. So you make choices mm. and... And then, then I think it's fine. It's fine to once you accept that, you have to accept. Yeah, well, you're going to have different translations because translators make different choices. The big problem, I think, is when people pin something on one way of translating. Yeah. Uh, it one version, and then, and then they build this theological edifice well, on it. Particularly if it's their life verse, and they've memorized yeah. it and everything and they just go well, that's just how one you know on a bad day translated it you know can, yeah. we, can we trust translators do you think uh most of them i would say yes oh, okay. yeah because because they're making they're making choices i mean look everybody has an agenda yeah exactly there's nobody who comes to it completely objectively no. and and i think Sometimes that agenda is tradition. So, for example, with this one, there would be a strong urge to keep it the same as it has been with the King James Version because it's a traditional sort of interpretation. And the same is true of things that we've talked about in the podcast before. I'm sure, you know, you remember we talked about the virgin birth, for example. Yeah, we have. Where actually the word doesn't necessarily mean that, but mm. the tradition is so strong that it almost, yeah. you know, it's very hard to get over it. Um, there's another interesting one in the... NIV, the latest NIV, the 2011, where they've they've correctly, I think, translated the word cataluma as a spare room in the nativity story, um, mm. and not as in. Yeah. But the but the pressure on a translator oh. to sort of stay with the, the, the yeah. thing is huge. and that's and that's one less part in the nativity play, isn't it? Yeah, you've yeah got exactly. No innkeeper <laughs> anymore. It's just oh yeah. Oh, I love going to spare room. We'd have to get the cleaners in or something like that. Get cleaner. Yeah. We've got the cleaner. She's. Oh, we've got the lodger. Kick the lodger out. Anyway. No, I mean, and um, that can be in things like, uh, well, what's the classic one? Nicodemus, John 3, whatever it is, mm. when, you know, you must be born again. Mm. Because does the Greek mean born again or does it mean born from above? Mm. Um your theological um, stance will affect, frankly... How you translate it, yeah. How you translate that. And sometimes really badly, I think, because um, in, uh, in, for example, Romans uh, 16, I think it is, there's a, there's a bit um, where Paul says, greet my fellow apostles, Andronicus and Junior. And the thing about it is, Junior is a, a female name. Mm. It's a woman. And Paul says sort of they were prominent among the apostles. And if you don't believe that women could be apostles or leaders, mm. that causes an enormous problem for you straight away. Yeah. So some translations, and this I think is entirely unwarranted, translate it as, uh, her name as Junias, 
which is to turn her into a male. Wow. Well, that is just downright dishonest. It is. It is. But that's the power of your own theological presuppositions that just do that. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, there's all kinds of... So, but okay. on the whole, those kind of choices are very small and they're not really that... that you know, they okay. don't have that sort of impact. But but that is the danger. Yeah. OK, well, what I mean, to go back to that last question, you know, which is the best Bible for <laughs> for Rob? <laughs> obviously, well, the tabloid Bible. Yeah, obviously. Written obviously. by Nick Page. Um, <laughs> the I think you just find one or two that have a nice style that you like, really. OK. I wouldn't say, I mean, in academic terms, the one they normally use, the one that I use in all my books, for example, is the New Revised Standard Version, NRSV, because that's sort of seen as the sort of academically neutral kind of translation. But I read different ones but at mm. different times. I mean, I don't know how you do it, or even if you can remember what the Bible is. I do remember. It's a, it's a large book. I've got one here. Uh, yeah, blow the dust. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's great. I tell you what, I I really like reading Paul's stuff in the Message, which I know isn't a translation; mm. it's a paraphrase, but it does make it blooming understandable, um, which it's got going for it. I think. Um, yeah, well, what the Message tries to do, because there's two approaches to translation, mm. without getting too tedious on this. Mm. There's two approaches. One is. Um, sort of a literal trans or trying to get close to the what the words actually sort of mean and keeping yeah. it to the literal thing and the other is a dynamic translation which is trying to get to the thought mm. behind there and so you know what um that's that work verse i talked about mm. earlier it doesn't mm. uh, ephesians you know ephesians 2 10 mm. god's works of art that's an interpretation of what they think paul is getting at in that sense, you know, the thought behind it and the message has a lot of that and can be really good for that. Yeah. yeah. What I, again, what you wouldn't do or what you shouldn't do is build a huge theological edifice on a verse in the message because it's mm. it's that's not what it's trying to do. It's it's trying to sort of give you the life behind it. Yeah. Um, so I do think those are good. And and I think it's also good to look for a sort of fresh translation. I I have found a lot of help reading uh, Robert Alter's translation. I'll put some links in okay. um, of the Old Testament. He's a he's actually an English literature professor, but he's Jewish and he's done a lot of translations of the Old Testament, which are fresh. Well, and and there's another. Uh, sorry, just quickly, there's another lady called Mary Mary Phil Corsack, and um, she's done a wonderful translation of Genesis, and uh, and also an interesting one of Mark as well, which is very different, very radical, okay. and um, shakes it up. So. You know, I think I think shake it up. Find, find, just find the ones that work for you. Because what you're doing is you're encountering God through this book. You're not. You well, know, I was going to say it sounds incredibly postmodern. Just find out one that works for you, but you don't know whether that's an accurate translation or whether it's not an accurate translation. Actually, it just works for you. Well, I think <laughs> I think go for the mainstream. So if you go for the sort of main ones, the NIV, yeah, the New sure. or the New Jerusalem. I love the New Jerusalem Bible because I think it's poetic. Um, you know, though, yeah. I mean, there are. I'm sure there are ones out there that are a bit yeah. dodge, but I, I think on the whole, if you go into the main ones, just yeah, th okay. those will be fine. You know, I would have, I would have got ants in my pants over this at one stage. I, I would have got very restless and upset, but now I genuinely don't mind because I think, 
you know, if I was in charge of writing a Bible, just uh, like translating it like you, I think I'd take out all those violent bits. I'd take out all the bits that just do not match Mm. my perceptions and my theology. Whereas now I I don't mind that all that is in the canon of Scripture because I just think that's just how people see it. You you know, once you don't see see God as dictating the Bible, once you see it as Mm. a human book written for humans by other humans who were trying to grapple with what, you know, and understand the world and reality and faith as they perceived it, it takes the heat off that sort of thing. Mm. Because you think, well, yeah, also the writers could have got it wrong as well. And did. Yeah, well, well, I mean, at the risk of doing what Rob would accuse me of doing in terms of promoting my own books, we did do a whole series, actually, mm. uh, on the Badly Behaved Bible that I wrote, yes. which is all about uh, these kind of issues. Yes. And I also wrote a book called God's Dangerous Book many years ago, which is about mm. Bible translation and how we yeah. got the history of the text. So, you know, it's it's just yeah. a human and God collaboration going on. And um, and that ha- that happens even when we read it as well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that you just have to accept that some things are going to be different. OK, great. Well, thank you. Thank you, Nick. That was excellent. And thank you, Rob, for writing in. And sorry mm. it took so long to get around to responding. Right. I want to finish with this, if this is OK with you. I came across this bit of prose um, on the Facebook. Someone sent it to me, uh, dearly beloved Ruth, and um, I thought it was brilliant. So I thought I'd read it to you. Shall I read it first? rather than mm, set okay. it up. So this is by a chap called uh, uh, John Rodell, and he writes poetry. And uh, for me, this was so pertinent to the age we're living in, the wars that are going on, the world we find ourselves in at this time. And uh, it goes like this. I can't make the world be peaceful. I can't stall tanks from roaring down roads. I can't prevent children from having to hide in bunkers. I can't keep a madman from creating heartbreaking headlines. I can't convince the news to stop turning war into a video game. I can't silence the sound of bombs tearing neighbourhoods apart. I can't turn a guided missile into a bouquet of flowers. I can't make a warmonger have an ounce of empathy. I can't convince diplomats to quit playing truth or dare. I can't deflect a sniper's bullet from turning a wife into a widow. I can't stave off a schoolyard being reduced to ash and rubble. I can't do any of that. The only thing I can do is love the next person I encounter without any conditions or strings to love my neighbour so fearlessly that it starts a ripple that stretches from one horizon to the next. I can't force peace on the world, but I can become a force of peace in the world because sometimes all it takes is a single lit candle in the darkness to start a movement. O spirit, let me be a candle of comfort in this world. Let me burn with peace. Well, I, I, I think that's good because, well, for a, a variety of reasons, but perhaps most pertinently to me this week, when I was just feeling a little bit impotent in the pa- in, in the face of all the news that's coming, you, know, you kind of think, I'd like to bring world peace. Mm-hmm. I'd like to end some of the suffering and poverty and pain. Um, I'd like to do, but I, I mean, genuinely, sometimes you have to say, I mean, I know some of us are called to do that. And sometimes we can organize, else, organize ourselves into groups that can do more than we can on our own. But actually, here's what I can do to make the world a peaceful place today. I can be peace 
mm. here now uh, in my life, in this house, in this street, in the place I work. I can be peace. I can do so. I can actually do something towards world peace in that sense. And and I thought that put it really well and really brought that home to me. I found great comfort in that. Yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, I was talking about this yesterday because, you know, we've talked about this before, but I, I'm absolutely convinced there is more good than bad mm. in the world. Me too. It's just that the good is less visible because it's 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 mundane it's smaller it happens on everyday levels it's the love mm. of a of a mother for her, her parents for their children or the love of people for their partners or you know yeah. for friendships and acts of kindness and these things and those are never no newsworthy witness because yeah, yeah. the evil is always bigger it's always it's always like a mountain mm. um i used the metaphor of earthworms um right. to talk about it because Obviously. you know that Obviously, like you would. Of course you did. Well, because (laughs) earthworms are amazing, aren't they? Because you'll have, there are millions of them out there Mm. uh, in the soil. And I read somewhere that every year an an earthworm turns, um, it eats its own body weight each day and sort of ingests soil and it excretes it out as Mm. fresh soil, effectively, a filtering system. And, And over the year, it'll do 90 kilograms, apparently. Of, right. uh, of, um, of 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 soil, and that's what mm. keeps the earth fertile. That's what keeps mm. fields going. Mm. If without the earthworms, we would be absolutely, you know, ruined. Mm. We wouldn't be able to grow anything. Mm. And yet, you don't see many documentaries on earthworms. You don't. No, no. You know, like everybody like sharks and lions, and you know, yeah. even the bee gets better PR than the earthworm. You know. Yeah. But. <laughs> But without earthworms, you're nothing. And so I, I yeah. used it as kind of this thing about that all these underground acts mm. of kindness going on that nobody ever sees or witnesses. They're, they're the things that make life fertile. They're the things that make life worth worth living. They're the things that, that sort of turn over the soil of our lives and enable things to grow in it. Yeah. And and every day more of those happen around the world than the evil acts, but but they don't get the same coverage because they're so so right. so small. And it's obvious when you think about it, but I think it's really important to state it at a time like this, that your little loving acts of kindness, they make a difference. To them. They're making mm. the world a better place. You're contributing to peace on earth, to to love, to the kingdom of love, if you like. Um, yeah, that's that's great to be reminded of. Mm. So didn't we, do a, didn't we do an episode once called I'm a Wormy Worm? I think well, we we're did, meaning and, it in a negative way, yes, but actually well, that, you're, yeah. you're encouraging us to be wormy worms but in a good way i am owning my worminess <laughs> you are. Uh, because I, I said this i said that so much a sort of christian language uses mm. like yeah. you know makes us feel sort of wormy in a in yeah. a bad way as if worthless. it's a bad thing yeah but actually it's not a bad thing at all worms are you not could... worthless <laughs> worms are not worthless worms worms are immensely worthwhile yeah. <laughs> and uh, and hugely valuable and precious and so you know i i think yeah let's own our yeah. worminess i i like that let's do that yeah all right and and you're right this is the only thing we can do what can we do to change the geopolitical situation not a lot raise our voices you know yeah. do stuff like that but but actually what can we do to change 
the world around us is yeah as we often say do the next good thing no exactly and and thing and and i think it's probably worth restating for the sake of the mid-faith crisis podcast that the reason i would still call myself a christian in certain company is because i you know jesus still inspires me to do exactly that to be a to be a candle to, to be a light in the world of darkness and actually it does look like quite small earth movements i suppose <laughs> one little act of loving kind <laughs> one yeah, no, they're act. so valuable and all our lives we're told you know we tell to sort of value the big yeah. the big things you know yeah. the dramatic healings and the and the big miracles and the and the move and hearing god and i went off to africa and did this that and the other and blah 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 i'll just make a cup of tea for someone you know yeah. just... start there yeah start yeah. there be yeah. nice Take someone a gift, you know, do something like that. You know, these things are, are all within our grasp and they would make the world a better yeah. place. And very often we can't change the externals, but we can change our attitude. So if you I think particularly if you are feeling helpless or dare I say it, rather depressed at the moment, mm. then then go and do something kind for someone. Just go and do something kind for someone. I would say do something kind for yourself, which I think is also important, but I I think there's a, a a generative blessing from doing something kind for someone else. I think you should also mm. be kind to yourself as well, frankly. I, yeah. I agree entirely. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm going to go and be kind to myself now in the form of um, a cocktail, I suspect. Oh, happy times. You know. Wow, good for you. Yes, there's well, I'd be, the old... I'd be kind to you if you were here. But Negroni not, so. therapy of yours. <laughs> you're pioneering so yes, effectively. Old... <laughs> yeah, are those three great pioneers of psychotherapy, Freud, Jung and Negroni. <laughs> hey, yeah, and I just want to say thank you to everyone. Not just thank you to people who give to us. That is incredible when there's so many demands on finances. Thank you so much. But people who write nice emails, say kind things means such a lot to us and it's so encouraging for us. So please, you know, keep that mm. coming and keep coming with your questions as well. Joe at midfaithcrisis.org. Yeah, and if you'd like to support the podcast, as Joe said, we're very grateful and you can do that at midfaithcrisis.org. You can find the show notes there and the latest episodes and occasional other bits and pieces. As and well. just details of shabby cafes to go to. Oh, yeah, the Cardoma. <laughs> we should go there. <laughs> should we? Yeah. <laughs> it might be better than going to a church so I'm in <laughs> well anyway see you next week see you <laughs>